Is this thing still on? I think they can hear us a bit better now. Should we keep talking? Of course. Let's say it louder for those in the back. Hi, and welcome to the Green Nurse Podcast, an unfiltered discussion about health and healthcare. My name is Amy Archibald Burley. And my name is Sarah Fung. And we are your podcast hosts. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, iHeartRadio, or any other podcast platform, don't forget to hit subscribe so you can get updates on new episodes. If you love our podcast and our advocacy work, please go to www.grittynurse.com and click on the Support Us button. This will give you access to exclusive episodes and early releases on a monthly basis. This will help us with the cost of running the podcast, the time and energy to put out awesome and informative episodes. And for that, we thank you and we appreciate you. Welcome, everyone. Thank you for listening again week after week. Um, We have a really difficult topic to talk about today. And I think this is something we've been, you know, we've had many episodes in relation to this, but I think, you know, how could we not talk about the violence that still is occurring in nursing, and particularly these two cases that happened out of the US. So one in Dallas, and one in I believe it was North North Carolina. And I think that, again, when we see these things happening, I just don't understand why there isn't better structures to keep nurses safe. But what we will probably do in this episode is describe what happened in these instances and then talk about what do we think we can do? What do we think other folks can do? I think that we keep talking about it and it keeps happening. And I don't know if it's because it's female, we're female based, that folks don't, you know, appreciate women's bodies the way that they should, especially the, the U.S. is, again, has their hands and their say on women's bodies all um especially through this whole issues with abortions. But I mean, we have to continue to talk about these issues. So before I get into it, I'll hand over to Sarah and maybe Sarah will start the conversation. Yeah, I want to talk about the first case in particular, the one that happened in Dallas, because this hits really close to home for you and I. Um, It actually happened in the labor and delivery unit. So back on, it looks like it was earlier in October, there was a suspect that was shot and arrested by Methodist Hospital Police in Texas after he fatally shot two hospital employees on a Saturday morning. And the suspect, who was a 30-year-old man, was charged with capital murder. He was already on parole for aggravated robbery and was wearing an active ankle monitor. So that kind of raises a lot of questions as to how he even got into the hospital. But what he was doing was trying to visit his girlfriend who was in labor. And I think that it really hits close to home because I've been in a lot of situations where women have been admitted to the hospital and there are ongoing instances of intimate partner violence. And often it's up to the nurses to be the gatekeepers. And You know, I think this just speaks to the bigger question as to whose responsibility is it to make sure that nurses, healthcare workers, and patients stay safe in the hospital. But all this to say that there were two victims, a woman named Jacqueline Pokua, who was a social worker, and a nurse whose name was Annette Flowers, and they died in the shooting. So it goes on to say that he was arrested and he's been charged with capital murder. Uh, This is ongoing 
as we know. And um, what really happened was a suspect started searching the room to see if his girlfriend, who was recovering for labor, if he could visit her. And it just kind of escalated from there. So I won't really get into all the details, but it was a really traumatic situation. And if you think about it, we're talking about a suspect who was shot. And now there are nurses who are having to care for this suspect who just killed one of their own. So it's a really difficult situation altogether. I 100% agree. And again, like there has been no motive that's been given for the shooting. There was an article from the New York Post that reported that, you know, the warrant for Hernandez, who was attending the birth of his child, he showed up and opened fire, accusing his girlfriend of infidelity and warning that he would shoot the next person who would come through the door. And I think this is where we've been in these situations, not nearly similar, but we've been put in these situations where, you know, I remember working as a labor and delivery nurse. We would go, we would see who's coming in for the day and we'd see that like red folder. And we're like, okay, what's what's the story here with this red folder? And then you open it up and there's like this black and white picture of this individual that's like, oh, you know, this person cannot be allowed into the hospital if we see them that we should call security. How is that helpful? How is that protecting us? I remember every single time when I saw those situations, it was like, why are we the ones put in charge of dealing with this situation? Why, if we know that this person's a danger to themselves and other individuals, why is it left on the, oh, the, why is the onus left on the nurse to be like, okay, you know, let's make sure we watch your security cams and make sure that this individual doesn't come up to the unit. Or if they come into the hospital and we see them, that's when we should be alerting them. They shouldn't be able to even step foot in the hospital doors. Like, how is it that this individual made it up to the labor and delivery floor? I would imagine that they probably have a similar protocol. It's like, oh, here's this rusty black and white photo of this individual please make sure that if you see them you call security that's not good enough they shouldn't even be able to get in the hospital and I remember many situations where we had folks that you know were either baby snatchers or you know they have like an abusive history with that patient and we're given these instructions to just call security if they come up to the unit like how how is that helpful for us and then again it puts us in this dangerous situation where we're at risk to have to deal with this type of interaction. I don't remember. And maybe you can tell me, Sarah, because you were a, a clinical nurse specialist. What did they say? Is that it was that kind of your experience as well? Well, I mean, it was exactly what you said, right? So part of my role as clinical nurse specialist was to make care plans for complex or high-risk patients. And once in a while, we would come across someone who had a high-risk condition, but also some social issues. And it was just, you know, a one-line thing that said, uh, please don't let partner so-and-so into the building, right? And I think this just speaks to a lot of those issues where at, at the end of the day, let's just be honest, it takes more time and effort to make sure that there are people on a do not admit list. And often when there are no resources, this falls to the nurse. Do we have training on how to do this? No. Do we know that by looking at a grainy black and white image of someone whose name we have no idea who it is that we're not to let them in? No. And so when, if and when something happens, I hate to think that this always falls to the nurse. Like I've worked on units where um, we implemented a locked unit, right? And part of that was because it was locked, someone's responsibility now was to be that button pusher to either let someone in or not. And usually it was the secretary or the ward clerk. But of course, when it's after hours, who does this fall onto? The nurse. And it's not like there was a designated person to be that button pusher. And I mean, it doesn't have to be complicated, but we make it so complicated when we're saying we just want to keep patients and nurses safe and not allow people like this into the hospital. And the worst case scenario, of course, is to uh, have someone killed. 
I think the onus should fall really squarely on the the shoulders of the the hospital and the administration. Like if I was this nurse's family and the social worker's family, I'd be suing the hospital because they should have every right to protect and should be protecting nurses, anybody who's working in that facility. I don't understand. It should never be that the onus is placed on us as healthcare providers to ensure our own safety. Yes, of course, there's certain steps that we should take. We should know the drills if there's an active shooter. If they know that there's a person who has a criminal history or a criminal past and is likely to reoffend, why are we even allowing them to step foot into the hospital? This person should have been stopped well before they even got to the hospital doors. This is when, you know, police officers have these great big budgets. Use the police to make these enforcements to make sure that, you know, these folks don't come in. Or we should be looking at bills that, you know, protect healthcare workers. I don't understand why we are fucking nothing. That's what it seems like. It seems like nobody gives two craps about what happens to nurses or anybody else who works in the healthcare system. Because again, there was another shooting just with doctors in the emergency department. And I just don't understand why, you know, we hear these stories over and time and time again and nothing. Oh, I'm so sorry that this happened. Like, let me read the statement. This this is the other thing. So this is the statement from the Methodist Health System Executive Leadership. The Methodist Health System family is heartbroken at the loss of two of our beloved team members. Our entire organization is grieving this unimaginable tragedy. During this devastating time, we want to ensure our patients, physicians, employees, and community that Methodist Dallas Medical Center is safe and there's no ongoing threat. Our prayers are with our lost co-workers and their families, as well as our entire Methodist family. We appreciate the community support this difficult time. Thoughts and prayers? More thoughts and prayers? Like, how is that going to bring anyone back? How is this going to change anything? It doesn't. And this is this is what I'm saying. Like, these statements are horrible. Do you want to hear what the hospital did? Do you want to know what they've done in light of all of this? I found an article that says this is what they've done. They're cutting visiting hours following the deadly shooting. Those who are not staying the night must leave the hospital before 7 p.m. That is what they've implemented so far. Is that not even... That is a slap in the face. That's hugely insulting to say that this is the change they've made. And to my knowledge, this was already in place in many different hospitals. I wasn't even aware that this was a new thing that they implemented. This is where you like turn to evidence-based practice. Is that going to change the fact that someone might come into the hospital and harm somebody? No, it's not. Like you need to start thinking about different ways. And these I'm sorry's are really the worst. I have to be honest. Like, yeah, you're heartbroken. You're, you're you know, you're you're grief-stricken over what happened at your hospital. But what about the people who lost their lives? What preventative steps did Methodist Dallas Healthcare System do to prevent this from happening? And I think the answer is nothing. I honestly think they did nothing to prevent this from happening. And that's why I'm so angry as a nurse, because I'm sick and tired of reading these stories about nurses being assaulted, about nurses being, you know, injured on the job, can't go back to work or have to work in modified capacities, and then even worse, being killed. Like, what are these organizations doing? We have to hold them accountable. People need to start suing the hell out of these hospitals because I know, especially in the States, they make so much money, put the money where their mouth is and sue the holy hell off of these hospitals. Right. And I don't even know what they're thinking. I mean, if I was a nurse and I worked at that hospital, I would be going to work 
in serious fear for my life. Am I going to be shot on the job? Because this happened to my coworkers. This happened to my colleague. And what have they done about it? They've reduced visiting hours. Like, I think we need to think about root cause analysis and talk about the root cause of the problem, which is number one, gun laws, and number two, laws against violence um, against women. So I was looking at this um, page here, and it says... Generally, in order to carry a handgun in public in Texas, a person must be at least 21 years old and not have a prior felony conviction, which, as we know, this person had one and was wearing an active ankle monitor. So why can't tougher laws be put in place to prevent this kind of thing? And if he had a history of violence against his partner, why couldn't there have been stricter laws against his contact with her? Like, I don't understand what's happening here. And just like thinking of an upstream versus downstream approach, like, let's stop this at the beginning instead of at the very end where, okay, we're just going to try and prevent this person who has a gun from entering the hospital. Like there are so many steps before that, that we could be addressing. No, I a hundred percent agree. Like how did this individual who has an ankle bracelet get access to a gun? It's because getting access to guns in the States is too friggin' easy. They're sitting there, they're laughing at us in Canada going, Oh my gosh, look, they're banning guns. Justin Trudeau, he's so evil, blah, blah, blah. Well, we don't have the same fucking problems that you guys have out there with the amount of gun violence. Whether people want to agree or disagree or say yay or nay, there is a problem with gun violence in the United States of America. If you look just at the statistics alone of the amount of gun violence that occurs, it is, it's insane. I think most of the, the folks out there are saying, you know, the, the reasonable folks, I should say, are not even saying, oh, we want to ban all guns. But they, they're they kind of like, well, within reason, we should only have certain types of, you know, guns that are available to folks, right? And I think that this is a greater conversation. I think people look to the United States, or I think maybe folks in the United States, especially folks that have this, this mentality of thinking that, you know, guns are everything and we should have them and use them at whatever capacity and all this violence that occurs with guns isn't really a problem. It's a problem with the individual. I think that these conversations are really detrimental and they go nowhere. And I think this thinking, this magical thinking that is like, oh, it's not, it's just the person. It's not, it's not, we don't have an issue with guns is insane. They really need to take a hard look at themselves and say, you know what? I don't think the British is going to come back and steal all of our guns. Like that's not what's going to happen. And they need to deal with the critical fact that gun violence is a huge issue in the States especially when it comes to femicide, which is the killing of women. We're seeing this time and time again, and no one's really saying anything except for the fact, I'm sorry, and my prayers are with you. It's not good enough for me. Right. And I think the first step to fixing anything is admitting you have a problem. So if you can't even admit there's a problem, how are you going to take steps to fix the situation? And if I were the family of these victims, all I would want to know is, is something going to be put in place so that this doesn't happen again? Like, obviously, we're not going to bring these women back, but can we stop this from happening again? And I'm not seeing any steps to ensure that. In fact, since this article came out five days ago, I haven't seen any follow-up news articles about what's being done. And my fear is that exactly what you said, Amy, nothing is being done. And they're hoping this will be swept under the rug and we'll forget about it until, of course, it happens again. 
Yep. Or another instance of violence happens. And, you know, actually, even before the Methodist Dallas Medical Center shooting, there was another death of a a psychiatric nurse. And essentially, this actually happened on October 18th, when the police in Durham County stabbed to death a nurse. So essentially, there was a 47-year-old man who's now been charged with the murder after stabbing a nurse at the Freedom House Recovery Center in Durham. And essentially, this happened just before 2 p.m. There was a call from the went out from the agency to the police that a psychiatric mental health nurse practitioner, June Akundi, had been stabbed. Um, again, she was taken to the hospital where she died of her injuries. And James Gomez was arrested and charged with murder. And again, I just don't understand how this continues to happen. This woman, Miss Akundi, she was married. She was a mother of four children. She loved her job. She loved working with folks in mental health as a mental health nurse. This loss is, again, another senseless loss. Why is this occurring? Why are we seeing this happen? Where is the protection for healthcare workers or nurses working in this capacity? Let's maybe talk a little bit about the the aspect of mental health, because I don't want to demonize folks with mental health, but we need to put protections in order. If someone is going to be deemed a risk, a risk to injure someone or injure other or themselves, we have to take steps actively to protect nurses and folks that are going to be dealing with those individuals. The fact that she was stabbed to death, I don't even know what to say. Like this is again, just another, another senseless death that we have to see. Talking about supports for mental health, so even in that first case, I don't know if that individual was suffering from mental health issues. He might have been, and maybe the mental health system failed him as well for failing to protect him against harm to others. So it's just this cycle that just keeps going, and I don't know. Our healthcare system is just overwhelmed. Like I don't know what to say other than that, and we're just not putting a priority on mental health when we know that there are so many preventative things that can be done before it escalates to this worst-case scenario type situation. I think there's a lot that can be done, but I do want to read uh, North Carolina Nurses Association's president's statement about um, Ms. Akundi's death, because I think it's actually a much better statement than um, any of the hospitals have made. We are heartbroken by the senseless death of our colleague and fellow NCNA member, Juna Kundi. Uh, Our prayers go out to her friends and families. She dedicated her life to helping others as we should be all proud of the positive impact that she had on some of the most vulnerable patients. Her loss has shaken the nursing profession throughout North Carolina. And they also went further to address the growing dangers of working as a nurse Violence in the workplace is one of the greatest challenges facing nurses, and the problem has grown exponentially over the last few years. It is my desperate hope that Juna Kundi's death serves as a turning point and that those of us in healthcare can truly begin to address the problem. No one's death should be the reason or the impetus for change. That means we've already lost control of the situation, and it's it's heartbreaking to hear but we have to do something. We have to do something. I can't, honestly, I've said this numerous times. I probably would never go back to the bedside for a a number of different reasons. I can see now and I acknowledge now that they just don't respect us. They don't have a clear understanding of what nurses do. They don't want to take the time to understand that nurses are experts in our own field, that we have knowledge, skill, and judgment, that we are human beings. And I just see that they just don't care. 
So I would never go back to the bedside. I would never go back to a role in which I know that my life is worth nothing, that I'm replaceable, that me standing up for patient safety in that capacity, it doesn't matter. That my safety doesn't matter. Do you see anybody showing that nurses' safety matters? No, patient safety matters. Because obviously, if it happens to a patient, it's like it's crazy. Like that signals all the alarm bells for change to be instituted within the system. But when this happens to us as nurses or healthcare providers, it's sorries, it's prayers, it's we're not fucking doing anything. Yeah, it's really, really sad. And I have to think about all of the different issues we've been advocating for over the past two and a half years. So we've advocated for sick days, better mental health supports, tougher laws against violence against healthcare workers. I have not seen the needle move, unfortunately, on any of these things. And I think about all the time, whenever a police officer is killed on the job, how much how much media coverage there is for that and the laws against killing a police officer. I don't know about you, Amy, but I'm not seeing any of that translate into the healthcare field. Like what is really in the eyes of the law, the punishment against harming or even killing a healthcare worker? Like, is it anywhere near what would happen if someone were to kill a police officer? I'm not saying, you know, there's nothing against police officers. I'm just saying we're talking about a male versus female dominated profession and what the repercussions are for harming um, one of those individuals. We should have laws that really protect healthcare workers. And I don't I don't see what they are. I, I, I don't see what they are in Canada. I don't see what they are in the U.S., and again, I think this is where we have to think about, you know, like it, there's this weird thought. It's it's almost like nurses aren't really people because it's just like when we're assaulted or something happens to us on the job, the first thing that our managers or directors, whomever should be saying to us is like, would you like to press charges? Would you like to do that? And like, it almost grieves them for us to say, we want to fill out an incident report. It's like, oh my gosh, this is going to be too much work. It's going to be a headache when it should be encouraged. And I know I can think of multiple instances where nurses were injured or harmed and, and they were asked not to actually file reports because it was just like, well, not to not put it in the inter- internal reporting system, but just not to involve police or anybody else. And I don't understand how that makes sense. If I was walking down the street and I was assaulted in the grocery store, that's still assault. Whether I'm working in healthcare, it shouldn't make a difference if I'm going to be, if I'm assaulted in healthcare, it's assault in it's assault. It's just in a different spot. It should not matter whether the patient's vulnerable or not. If they are injuring you and it's assault, it's assault. If no one's going to protect us, then we need to start reaching out well beyond our healthcare doors and actually start calling the police when these things happen. Because I don't, I don't know what else to do. The whole issue is they're going to do nothing. That's a problem. Then maybe we need to take actions into our own hands. Yeah, it's really sad to say that if you were assaulted anywhere outside of the hospital, you had more rights than you would in the hospital. And it's so ironic as healthcare providers that we are treated like crap and we're treated like crap because we're women, because, you know, historically we've taken this. Like, I don't know why, but it just seems like there are so many ironic things against nurses. We receive fewer mental health supports than a lot of other industries. We are in a caring profession, yet we're not told to care for or advocate for ourselves. We are never taught about violence, except that, you know, if that happens, you need to call a code. We're not taught how to defend ourselves. We're even taught that it should be swept under the rug. So let's 
let's file an internal report because that way it can stay within the walls of the hospital or the organization and not outside because at the end of the day, the hospital or the organization doesn't want the bad press. So let's just sweep it under the rug and not do anything and hope that nobody says anything, uh, hope that nobody speaks out and you know that this doesn't happen or I think the other thing is when you're a healthcare worker and you're assaulted on the job, it's almost like that's just the beginning of all your issues because not only are you not believed, sometimes you're told to care for that same patient that just assaulted you. You are told that somehow this is your fault. You aren't given time off work that's paid. You're having to fight against the systems that should be paying you or compensating you for this thing that occurred and none of that's happening and then all this to say that it makes nurses feel like they shouldn't report anything and somehow they've done something wrong and it's part of the job which it's not no i agree and i think you touched on a point there that we haven't even discussed in this episode yet is the same people that tend to injure us are the same people that we end up turning around and having to care for that's moral injury at an all-time high. Like I think when we think about the Methodist Dallas Medical Center um, shooting, those same nurses, probably on a different unit, but you know, nursing, there's a lot of camaraderie there, are going to be taking care of this individual who killed their own, right? I, I can only imagine being in that situation, being put in a state where I know that this person murdered two of my colleagues and now I have to go take care of this person. Like, I I don't even think they, most folks consider that as a problem. Like, I don't understand why they wouldn't have even sent him to a different hospital. Like, why did they, if they knew that that happened there, why would they keep this patient there to take care of them? Like, I think that's, that's so cruel. And I, I just don't understand why they would have thought that that would have been a good idea. I just don't think a lot of these administrators think outside of the box. They're not the ones that have to deal with the crippling effects and devastating outcomes of the violence that occurred, right? They, I would say most of them were probably at home in their beds or, you know, they were in their cushy offices and far removed from this violence. And it's easy for them to make these type of decisions because they're not boots on the ground and they don't see it. And I just think that the fact that these nurses have had to do that, had to take care of this individual is is very cruel. Right. And I'm hoping that they do an internal review of this whole situation and come out with some strong recommendations as to what can be done. But because I'm hoping that something like this doesn't happen often, they could maybe write a policy or have some sort of protocol that if this were to happen, that they transfer this person out of the hospital system as fast as possible to avoid moral injury to the entire team that has to care for someone who just killed one of their own. Like, it just seems like common sense to me, but I'm sure there are a lot of different logistics that played into why that happened. I just think that this is such a rare and traumatic event that really something like this should be put into place. Although you said rare, I think it happens way too often, right? And I think, again, this is why, like, the reason why we're having this conversation is because these statistics, these these outcomes, these individuals' lives, they matter. So there's some statistics that say violence is estimated to be four times more prevalent in healthcare than in any other industry um, with those in nursing, within the nursing profession facing the brunt of the assaults. Uh, the pandemic, again, has added new stressors. We've heard of multiple instances of nurses being abused, attacked um, during the pandemic. 
And it's also exacerbated those already present issues, leading to an uptick in workplace violence against clinicians across the country. Um, I read this statistic and it's, it's scary. More than two nurses were assaulted every hour on average in the second quarter of this year, translating to about 57 assaults per day, 1,739 assaults per month, and 5,217 assaults per quarter, according to some data that was released by the press Ganey. And that's really scary. I, I, I could only imagine what our numbers would look like here in Canada. I'd imagine that they'd probably be somewhere similar. This is, again, where we need to start collecting data and amalgamating data to say, we have a huge problem here. We need to we need to discuss and have actionable plans to protect nurses, other healthcare workers in the hospital, especially knowing that we're so much more likely to be assaulted and injured or killed on the job. Absolutely. And I think that we don't even realize the sheer number that we're dealing with, because I remember in nursing school, even uh, we had a placement in a long term care facility. And one of my colleagues had their breast grabbed by an elderly gentleman who had dementia. And I mean, this just kind of set the tone, right? Because nothing was done about that. And it was sort of explained away as this person had dementia, he didn't know what he was doing. But to experience that in nursing school so early on, it just kind of makes you wonder, like, is this really what it's like working in long-term care? I can't blame nurses at this point for wanting to leave the bedside because, if anything, for verbal and physical violence has gotten worse during the pandemic. And like you said, I haven't really seen anything being done about it. But maybe we should talk about what we can do about this, whether it's a, on a specific scale or a general scale. Like, what can we do when we witness this happening or we see this happening to our colleagues in order to improve the situation? I, I've seen several different bills that are being passed in the U.S. I think they're not strong enough, if you want me to be honest. So, for example, I read a bill that's in Oregon that says um, they're looking at a house bill that would make it a third degree assault for someone to intentionally or recklessly injure a hospital worker while performing performing official duties. And then again, if this individual is found guilty of such a crime, the punishment would entail a five-year prison term or 125000 or both in some cases. I still think that's not good enough. We should have the same legal rights as if we were walking down the street and someone attacked us. I don't understand these bills that, that put these very limited terms on individuals if they are attacking and injuring nurses. There is another bill that is in Michigan Meanwhile, it would incur a less harsh penalty for this type of behavior, making it a misdemeanor with a maximum penalty of 93 days in jail or a thousand dollar fine. Like, I don't understand how any of these things people were like, yeah, that that makes sense. You know, they're in healthcare; It's a nurse. So uh, we're going to make a completely different rule. The rules should still apply whether we're in a hospital or whether we're, you know, in a grocery store. Um, there's, again, another bill in Colorado that talks about doxing because doxing is a thing that happens in the states too it, it happens here as well so they're trying to make doxing illegal and then there's other bills seeking to just minimize the amount of threats so Maryland is is considering a bill that would allow the outlaw sorry to allow outlaw the threatening of public health officials with the intent to imitate, intimidate or impede their official duties and this penalty would be considered a misdemeanor up to 90 days in jail, potentially a $500 fine. I just don't understand these really soft measures when the crime, if it was happening in some other place, 
would be a different type of a sentence. Right. And we personally know people who have received threats, people that are very outspoken in the media during the pandemic, public health officials who are prominent. I mean, they're they're very visible, right? And they are easy targets. And we need to protect these people that are doing all of the work to support everything that happened during the pandemic and, and afterwards as well. I'm not saying it's over, but you know what I mean. In these times, we need to have better supports. And I just don't understand why it's taking so long. And I don't understand why we're being treated like crap, to be honest. Um, I think that we need to look at also, people just need to be more involved politically. Like I would love to see more nurses running for office because I think that we would be in the best place to make these types of changes. I think you need to start figuring out who your local politicians are. Ask them where they stand on the topic of healthcare violence against workers, where they stand on um, gun laws, where they stand on even intimate partner violence, and try to make a difference that way. And I don't want nurses to think that you can't speak out because you absolutely can and you should. It's part of your role. You are viewed as a leader, whether you think it or not. Um, and we do have a voice and we need to start using that voice collectively. Yeah. I also think that we need to put pressure on the institutions in which we work, right? I think that the hospitals are hugely responsible for the people that are working it within those walls. They should be addressing the type of violence that's occurring. Maybe they need to put more money into security. Maybe they need to look at other resources to protect healthcare workers. Maybe they should have, for example, some of the, some security places here in Canada and Ontario have wands. So people coming in, they get wanded. They get they they can mm -hmm. also check to see if they have you know dangerous weapons on them. We need to strengthen our workplace violence prevention programs and maybe equip nurses with different types of tools. And I don't mean tools in terms of like now nurses carry guns because I've heard that argument with, okay, there's violence in schools, then teachers should carry guns. That's not going to help. I'm talking about ways in which that, that the, the industry, the hospital industry can do preventative things. So how can we prevent nurses from being harmed in the first place? And I think th that's the type of work that they need to do. And you know what, maybe it will cost them a fuck ton of money. So what? There is no cost that you could put on the life of a nurse or nurses who are losing their life to the senseless violence and the senseless crime that occurs within hospital walls. Absolutely. And just going back to the fact that a lot of nurses, once they've been assaulted by a patient, they have to care for that same patient. I wonder if they could have more creative strategies such as using float pool nurses. If we have float pool nurses that could take over care of that patient so this poor nurse could either go, you know, go home or seek medical attention, I think that would be hugely, hugely beneficial. So, I mean... I just think that we need to start listening to nurses that have been assaulted and what they think the answers are too, because so often their voices aren't heard. They're being told to shut up. They're being told to go away and not cause any more trouble. And I just think that instead of doing that, we can make them part of the solution. I think they'd be very invested into preventing this from happening to other nurses as well. Yes, I, I, I completely agree with that, Sarah. And, you know, I think I think the whole point of this having this episode is to talk about that one, that this is a problem and two, we need to find solutions. And yeah, I, I'm I'm pretty mad. I'm pretty angry about this because I'm seeing it. I'm seeing the violence and the harassment even more online as well. Like a nurse can just speak out about one thing. And then there are individuals that are trolling nurses saying all sorts of things like it's 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 incredible some of the things that I'm seeing folks say to nurses online and in these various different social media spaces. And that type of vitriol 
that um that I'm seeing is I've never seen that in my 10 plus years of being a nurse and it is hugely concerning and we need other folks to raise to sound the alarm other individuals within the hospital so you know physicians should be sounding the alarm social workers should be sounding the alarm administrators who are working you know at the front desk receiving patients should be sounding the alarm we need to do this collectively because otherwise i don't see any change occurring i see that you know nurses are going to continue to be harmed and injured and nothing will be done about it and if you're listening and you are not a nurse but you want to support nurses please feel free to do all the things that we talked about if you have a social media account raise nurses voices and let people know that you're not okay with this and that you support nurses because at the end of the day we're all going to need the care of a nurse at some point in our lives and I think the healthcare system is in shambles right now and we really need to do something about it. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.